start us out this morning from 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11. Uh, I'm beginning a series that when I'm here teaching in our Sunday school hour on uh, precious remedies against Satan's devices. Now this is this study is going to be following this book here by Thomas Brooks, which is Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices, and it will be following basically his outline, though uh, it's not quite the same. I'm, uh, our primary study will be from the Word of God, but uh, this book is a masterpiece in Puritan the Puritan view of spiritual warfare, which I think is needed today. And this text that we'll be looking at is kind of the whole theme of the book. Now, if, uh, if you want to get the book, uh, it is free online. I mean, you can uh, just look look the title up. Uh, you can also listen to it on YouTube, on audio. Uh, so it's freely available. And so if you want to get the full you know, full gist of it. Uh, but uh, this is going to be, we're going to be following his outline of, uh, of how to battle against Satan's devices and uh, using the Word of God as our primary source here. And before we get into the Word, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, Lord, knowing that we are in a war, a spiritual war, Lord, that we face each and every day. Lord, I face it. All of us face it. None of us are immune. Oh, Lord, show us from your word how to beat back the enemy. Lord, we can't do it on our own. Only through you, Lord. Give us your strength. And open your word to us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. There's a lot that you hear about spiritual warfare in our day and time. And most of it that you hear, whether it's, if it's on TV or even books, is just plain wrong. Uh, I remember it used to be, probably, well it probably still is, where uh, you would get a book, Strategies to uh, Defeat the Devil in the in the strongholds in your area. And the whole idea behind some of these books was that you need to find out, like, say, Springfield, what is the demo demonic stronghold here in this area, the demon that's ruling over it. And, and once you pray and find out, then you pray against that demon. Now, that's just plain craziness. You know, that's, that, that's I mean, that's a lot of demon focus, let's uh, say that. Uh, there was a book, uh, movie a few years ago called War Room, which I will give the movie War Room. is a Christian movie credit. It's good to have a special area to pray in. That's good. That's about the only good thing. But it had a lot about in the, the characters in this movie were always rebuking Satan, talking to Satan. Uh, don't talk to Satan, okay? Don't talk to Satan in your prayers. No need to do that. And, and you'll you, and today there's a big emphasis on deliverance ministries uh, that a lot of our problems they say in our own spiritual lives is we got a demon talking about Christians and so we need deliverance maybe it's a a demon of alcoholism a demon of lust a demon of 
of jealousy, of anger, so on, envy, so on and so on. And we need to be, you know, you know this needs to be expelled from us. But uh, the problem with that is that what they're dealing with, that's just, again, you won't find that in the Word of God. Uh, they leave out the fact that we have our own flesh we got to battle with. <laughs> uh, and, and so when it comes to Thomas Brooks's uh, outline, his book, it gives a balanced biblical view of spiritual warfare. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, which uh, really I would say is probably the theme verse of that whole, this whole book is, lest Satan should get an advantage of us for we are not ignorant of his devices. Uh, that literally means lest he should, we should be cheated or outmaneuvered by Satan, is what Paul is stating. And he says we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. And there's a lot of ignorance today when it comes to Satan's devices that I just mentioned. Now, ignorance is not the same thing as stupidity, by the way. Uh, ignorance means... You have a lack of knowledge. That's all it means. And there's a lack of knowledge. The devil schemes against us, it states here. He has devices that he uses against us. The 1646 London Baptist Confession of Faith, Article 31 states, All believers in the time of this life are in a continual warfare and combat against sin, self, the world, and the devil, and are liable to all manner of afflictions, tribulations, and persecutions, being predestinated and appointed thereunto. And whatsoever the saints possess or enjoy of God spiritually is by faith, and outward and temporal things are lawfully, enjoy, lawfully enjoyed by a civil right by them who have no faith. Basically, he's making it clear, or the, are these the Baptist forefathers our Baptist forefathers who wrote this, that we're in a continual warfare. we got to remember that. We're in continual warfare against Satan. Now, to quote Brooks on this, uh, he, he states that whatever sin the heart of man is most prone to, that the devil will help forward. In other words, the devil will help do it. He, he mentions if David is proud of his people, Satan will provoke him to number them that he might be prouder. If Peter is slavishly fearful, Satan will put him upon rebuking and denying Christ to save his own skin. And he goes on and on. Uh, the devil has devices that he uses against us daily. In Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 and 11. Now, this will be a uh, chapter that really emphasizes spiritual warfare. I'm sure you're familiar with it. But it's very similar to what we just read from the Word of God, where Paul states, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Be strong in the Lord. Not strong in yourself. Strong in the Lord. Don't fall, you know, just believe in yourself and you can do it. No, that's not what Paul states. 
be strong in the Lord, put on God's armor to stand against, notice, the wiles of the devil. Now, that's not a term that we use a lot, wiles. Uh, you remember, for us who grew up watching uh, Looney Tunes, you know, the coyote and Bugs Bunny, what was he called? The wily coyote. He was always has his wiles trying to uh, catch the roadrunner. And uh, that means schemes. He was always scheming. And really the word devil here, the word devil, when you see it in the Bible, just simply means accuser or slanderer. He accuses us. He slanders us. He slanders God. He accuses God. He'll get you to think, well, God's unfair. God is not right. He, he's, he's always uh, attacking, and we're not to be ignorant of his attacks. Uh, Brooks mentions, and uh, here in this book, in his book, about this term wiles, he says it signifies such snares as are laid behind one, such treacheries as one as come upon one's back by surprise. It notes the methods of waylaying of that old subtle serpent who like Dan's adder in the path, the heels of passengers, thereby transfuses his venom to the head and heart. The word signifies an ambush or stratagem of war, whereby the enemy sits upon a man at unawares. It signifies such snares as are set to catch one in one's road. A man walks in his road and thinks not of it, but suddenly he is caught by thieves or falls into a pit. Uh, it's a, it means it's a strategy. It's his strategies. It's an ambush. Satan's always trying to ambush us. Uh, Think about the most famous ambush in American history. What was it? Pearl Harbor. Caught us totally unaware. Uh, almost destroyed the, the American fleet in the Pacific. Totally shocked everybody. Uh, you can think of others. Uh, another famous battle. Battle of Little Bighorn. Custer took his 7th Cavalry. Uh, overconfident. We often get overconfident. He didn't realize that Sitting Bull and Crazy Horse had a huge army awaiting him and wiped him out. Hey, Satan knows how to do the same, my friends, if we're overconfident, if we're not looking out. Uh, the devil is wily. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 26, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 26, we read a good description of the world that we live in, uh, how people are in our world. And I'm just quoting just one part of this. This is a, a context, but he's referring to the lost world that they may recover them, themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Think about how that the lost world is. It's not in a neutral position. It is uh, in, caught in the snare of the devil. That's why when you may share the gospel with someone and they, they just don't, it doesn't register. It's because they're taken captive. 
uh, by his by his will. And notice they're taken captive by him at his will. There's no talk, by the way, of free will. There is it that you know that you just freely walk. They're in bondage. The lost world is in bondage to Satan. It takes it requires a supernatural awakening, the new birth, uh, to change them. This world is always seeking other things. Uh, the, we, you, you see in many false religions. Um, think about some false religions. Uh, Islam. Supposedly, uh, Mohammed said that he had an, an angel came and gave him the Quran and gave him all these teachings. And then about what twelve hundred years later, Joseph Smith in the United States in the eighteen hundreds had an angel. He says. We know they weren't angels. If it wasn't, it was. If it was an angel, it was a fallen angel, or it was a scam. One of the two came and gave him the Book of Mormon. People are always seeking something else other than the truth of God. Is what I'm trying to say. And we're surrounded by false religion today. Many think this, you know, being religious, being having some belief in God, that makes them right. And I know there's a, a lot of the, some of these uh, uh, Hollywood we've seen recently and in the music industry, some of these uh, groups uh, have a lot of satanic imagery in their music. Now, this is nothing new. You know, I was a child, of, remember back in the 80s when you had all the satanic imagery by these heavy metal bands. And, and, and so it's nothing new. A lot of times it's just trying to trigger us as Christians, trying to be edgy. But that's not really the main way Satan works. He's subtle. He's very subtle in his attacks. And, uh, and even like these people who are caught up in these deliverance ministries, trying to cast out devils out of people. Look, the main battle that we face with the devil is within us. It's this battle with the flesh. And he wants to get us distracted on these other things. And so many are led, being led astray. Now, in Brooks's book, his first device that he states, and I don't know if this is in order, but I think it's just device one of how, how Satan works. And it's so true, is to present the bait and hide the hook. Think about that. How does Satan uh, tempt us? How does he attack us? He presents the bait, but he hides the hook. Yesterday I was cleaning out a, a shopping cart, and there was a beautiful uh, bait <laughs> uh, you know, the, for fish. I said, boy, that's a pretty. Man, that's so pretty. I was looking at it. You know, it really... Some, who, it was really... Uh, you know, you know, it uh, was just really nice. Whoever created that bait, you know, was used for fishing. But that's how Satan does. He puts the bait out, but he hides the hook. Genesis chapter 3 is a great example of this. Genesis chapter 3, of course, this deals with the fall of humanity, the fall of Adam. And a perfect example how he presents the bait and hides the hook. 
In Genesis 3, beginning in verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat every tree of the garden. Now notice how the serpent works, first of all. Yea, hath God said. Did God really say that? Always questioning God. Remember, the devil's a slanderer. He is an accuser. Did God really say that? You, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said in the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And in verse 4, And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. Again, he's putting doubts. Oh, no, that's not true. It's like people today will uh, say, No, that's not really true. You ever have people say that about the Bible? Put doubts? No, that's not really true. That's how the devil works. You shall not surely die. And in verse 5, here's, here's the bait. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Hey, God is depriving you of something. He's depriving you of something. That's how temptation works. You know, why do we we feel like God may be depriving us of some pleasure? He knows if you eat of it, you'll be as gods. You'll be like Him. You'll, you'll, if you eat of that, you'll be, oh, you'll be so powerful. And of course, the woman then saw the food tree was good for food. That it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired. To make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her. And he did eat and the eyes of them were both were op both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig trees together, fig leaves together, excuse me, and made themselves aprons. Aprons. Here's the hook. First, hey, there's the promise of all this pleasure, all this power. They give in, but then Satan gets them with the hook. What comes? Shame separation from God. Sin. That's how Satan, he continues to follow this game pattern. Same plan. He, 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 uh, he hides, he hides the hook. It's always something offering you, oh, there's some, some great pleasure. Oh, it's going to be so great. This is the bait. Be as God's. But Satan, he hides the hook. Brooks states, the shame, the wrath, and the lost. And many a Christian man or woman has been lured by Satan this way. Look, we've all had Satan put that put that bait out, and how many times have we taken it? It could be a whole lot of things. And then there's the shame. And then and, and many families, marriages have been destroyed because of this. Churches wrecked, reputations destroyed. 
Interesting, in Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 through 10, we have Christ being tempted. And we're just looking at one part of this temptation. And I think you need to understand, you know, Christ is like, He's the second Adam. He came to straighten up what the first Adam fell. And by the way, uh, you know, Adam, it's not called Eve's fall, Eve's sin. Adam was there. But Jesus, notice, <coughs> Satan makes a similar offer to him. Verse 8, And again the devil taketh him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and saith unto him all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. All this will be yours. No need for the cross. Then said Jesus unto him, Get thee behind, get thee hence, Satan. For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. The bait didn't work with Christ. Perfect God, perfect man. And Christ, and by the way, in Matthew chapter 4, this is how, how did Jesus defeat all Satan's temptations, he, he quoted the Word of God to him. It's good for us to remember God's promises. Now, in Brooks's book, he states, how do we, you know, how do we defeat these? He says there's some remedies to this. Num remedy one, number one, Brooks states, is keep at the greatest distance from sin. Now, I'm paraphrasing. I'm not uh, of what he states in his book, but keep from the greatest distance from sin. That's good advice every day. Uh, if we keep our, our distance from sin, uh, we'll overcome it, won't we? Uh, the problem is we like we are lured in by that bait. But Romans chapter twelve and verse nine, the apostle Paul. Reminds us, and here, let love be without dissolution, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Notice what Paul states here abhor, that is, hate, detest that which is evil. Evil, unfortunately, for us comes subtly, but we got to have the spiritual foresight, know the word of God. Hey, that's evil. Know that that's the bait of Satan. It's not of God. Look, many people have fallen to Satan's bait. Haven't paid attention. You know, I, I, you know it's, it's like a man and a woman who work together. They're, let's say they both are Married, They work together at work. They become friends at work. They're both married. But then at their lunch breaks, they start having lunch together in the uh, lunchroom. And this may go on for months, 
And then they begin to share their problems. Then they begin to text one another. And the next thing you know, it's adultery. Notice, though, in that what I'm describing, and that's happened, by the way. That's how Satan works subtly. He's subtly, oh, it's just a friendship. Keep away from things. There's things in this world, my friends. Satan will just draw you in slowly. Oh, there's nothing wrong with that. Never underestimate the devil. Keep at a distance from sin. Don't put confidence in your flesh. That's a, that is emphasized throughout the New Testament. Don't put your confidence in your flesh. It will fail you. And you will lose uh, every time. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 22, a short verse of Scripture says, Abstain from all appearance of evil. Now, our King James says all appearance of evil, but that is, it's, uh, you can misinterpret this, by the way. It means all evil. Stay away from evil is the basic meaning of this. Stay away from it. Don't have anything to do with it. Know the warning signs. And in 2 Timothy chapter 2, and I know we were in 2 Timothy just a minute ago, but in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, Paul states, Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. He states, Paul doesn't say make your stand against youthful lust, does he? He's not talking to necessarily young people. David fell into youthful lust, and he was probably in his mid to late 50s. No, flee youthful lust. Run from it. Keep your distance from it. And what should we chase after? Righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't, don't give these things, these youthful lusts, these things of this world, uh, don't, don't slow down for them. Run from them. I quote to you Brooks, uh, Brooks gives a great illustration between Joseph and David. You know, these are two men who both faced temptations. Joseph was tempted to commit adultery with Potiphar's wife. And you can read that in Genesis 39 when you get a chance. I'm not going to go there. But he was tempted over and over again. But what did Joseph do? He ran. Joseph was tempted... 2 Samuel 11 by Bathsheba looking at things he shouldn't have been looking at. And he points out, he says, Joseph keeps at a distance from sin and from playing with Satan's golden baits and stands. He's victorious, Joseph is, Brooke states. David draws near and plays with the bait and falls and swallows bait and hook. You play with the bait of Satan. You just come a little bit closer and next thing you know, you're going to take it bait and hook. 
He hides the hook. David, a, a man after God's own heart, Scripture states, wrote almost half of the Psalms, fell to Satan's bait and hook. Remember Joseph, though. Joseph ran from it. Uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 5, 6 reminds us of the leaven. I'm not going to go there because we're a little short on time on this, but, uh, but, it, but sin is like leaven in bread. It spreads. It spreads. Uh, it's infectious. Beware of it. Keep your greatest distance from sin. Uh, remedy number two, Brooks states, is remember that sin is bitter sweet. It brings pleasure for a season. It brings pleasure for a season, but then comes the fallout. Uh, we have a lot of problems with people today who are addicted to pornography. They're addicted to drug addiction. And scientists now know, doctors know, that there's a pleasure center in your brain when it comes to things like this. It really is a dopamine release and, and, it, and it, it brings pleasure, but then there's the low. People don't think of the consequences. Many times we think only the pleasures of it. We don't think of what's to come if we give in to that sin. Hebrews 11, verses 24 and 25, Scripture states about Moses... Hebrews 11, verses 24 and 25 says, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Oh, we must beware of choosing sin for a season. It goes back to Genesis 3. It's when we give in, we think God is depriving us of some pleasure. Or, or there's a certain, uh, you know, uh, uh, we're, we don't, often don't think of the consequences. You know, boy, I'm, man, I'd like to tell my manager off or, or I'd like to tell, tell that customer off and boy, it's going to feel good when I do it. It may at, at initially feel good, but there's going to be some blowback, isn't it? You'll lose your job. See, there's, uh, there's, uh, that's, that giving in to sin will cause great losses. So remember that sin is bittersweet. Remedy three, remember that sin will usher in the greatest and saddest losses. I think of Luke chapter 23. I was looking at it, and that dealt with Peter. Remember Peter? He told Jesus, hey, if everybody else denies you, I won't. I will stand for you, Lord. And then in Luke chapter 23, uh, I think it's 22. Excuse me. Yes. Luke chapter 22, excuse me. Verse 59, now 
Now, he was, he was stating earlier here, you know, I don't know the man, I don't know him. And then verse 59, about the space of one hour after another confidently affirmed, saying of truth, this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately while he spake, the cock crew. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord. I had said unto him, Before the cock crows, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. But how often have we denied Christ in our actions? Christ is looking upon us. And we've denied Him. Think of Lot. A man that the Bible says was a righteous man, yet in the New Testament does, Peter tells us, and there was Lot, he was... He was if you go back and look in Genesis, he first pitched his tent toward Sodom. Then when the angels came to Sodom, he's in Sodom. He lost everything. Everything Lot did. Even his wife and the last you see of Lot in the Bible. Here was a man who God had blessed. He was rich. Yet the last you see of him, he's drunk in a cave. Sin will have its losses. And finally, remedy number four, we should consider and remember how deceitful sin is. It is very deceitful, sin is. Uh, we've looked at this already. It, all, it promises things. It's like that bait, but it hides that hook that will draw you in. In Hebrews chapter 3, Hebrews chapter 3. This will be our last scripture that we'll look at and we will close. But Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. It states, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Consider and remember how deceitful sin is. Always remember when it's promising the pleasure, when you're being tempted, oh, remember, oh, how deceitful that sin is. Uh, we should keep this in mind all the time. How deceitful. Uh, Brooks mentions uh, of a man called Theodemus uh, that when the physicians told him that except he did abstain from drunkenness and uncleanliness, he would lose his eyes. His heart was so bewitched, Brooks states, to his sins that he answered, then farewell, sweet light. He had rather lose his eyes than leave his sin. So a man bewitched with sin had rather lose God, Christ, heaven, and his own soul than part with his sin. Oh, therefore forever take heed of playing with or nibbling at Satan's golden baits. So many are like that today. They're, you, know, you think of people who are addicted to drugs. Do they really think that it's going to make them better? No, they're just addicted to it. They can't let go of it. The flesh, the devil, has got such a hold on them. we got to beware of Satan's 
baits that he puts uh, up to ensnare us, my friends. And I'll close out with these words of Brooks, Thomas Brooks again. He says, for a close, remember this, that your life is short, your duties many, your assistance great and your reward sure. Therefore, faint not, hold on and hold up in, in ways of well-doing, and heaven shall make amends for all. Hold on. Don't give in to sin. There's something greater awaiting us, my friends. Uh, we're tempted to give in to the, the, the sin and its deceits, but oh, let us not do that. Let us go to the Lord in prayer as we close. Oh, Father, help us, each and every one of us, to know that we're in a war with the devil that our own flesh in this world help us by the strength of the Holy Spirit to defeat the golden bait of Satan. To always know that there's a hook that he lies and he offers pleasure, but it brings heartache. Oh Lord, give us victory in our lives and may we be strong in you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.